This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the Usual Suspect Steve flashback to Jennifer 8 from 1992, a slow-burning crime thriller starring Andy Garcia, Uma Thurman, and a surprise John Malkovich appearance. Join us as we trigger Steve's paranoia about an old Carpenter song that we're destined to get to the bottom of, hear arguments for Uma Thurman's character faking her blindness in the film, and of course get derailed on multiple accounts of 90s movie nostalgia and somehow manage to tie all things back to Twister and Bill Hips Paxton. None of you have ever seen an F5? Let's wax this shark-eyed porpoise. Because then it makes it you, weird. it's a, it can be slippery because then it makes you, well, why can't I just do anything with my mind? And like, yeah. if I just think about it hard enough, but I think the, it's more of like the, the blind aspect and the, the trickeration that's happening versus like, I really want to believe. Yeah. But it, none the, nonetheless, it's weird that like, there's some kind of chemistry or something that your brain can actually take from that and do something with it, you know, like, wouldn't it be so weird if they did one of those tests with the placebo thing and they had everybody hooked up to like a cat scan or whatever the probes on the head thing is. And then they could, they could isolate which little parts of the brain are firing with the people who are actually having the placebo effect and then hook, hook somebody up to those electrodes and like try to stimulate that same area and then suggest Mm -hmm. something like, you would think that you would be able to recreate that in somebody else. Like, oh yeah, it's this part of the modula oblongata. <laughs> <laughs> Mama says maybe though allig- alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the perfect like dumb funny movie for ten to fourteen year old. Oh god, I watched that movie so much in my yeah early early teens. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah, I remember, so good. I remember seeing it in theaters and ha- having a fucking ball. But then there's weird stuff I saw when I was young too. Like I saw Grumpy Old Men too, just the sequel, not the first one first. And I saw that pretty young, and I got a real big kick out of it. That's when I was like, uh, like I feel like I was a fan of Jack Lemmon and uh, Walter Matthau in their later years when I was younger. Yeah, I know, and everyone else was like like you don't that's not a movie like oh did you watch grumpy old men you know when you're in fifth grade or whatever i have the same exact thing but it's with um the odd couple part two i don't think i ever saw the first one but i caught oh so you're talking about the the remake movie that they made years and years later with walter matthau and jack yeah yeah jack lemon (laughs) and i don't know why i caught it at like my grandma's house when she had movie channels and i'm like oh yeah I'm going to watch this over and over now. <laughs> Dude, that's a weird, speaking of like the odd couple specifically, like a show like from 30 years ago, and then they make a sequel to a show in movie form, but then do it like, yeah, 30 years later or something, 25 years later. It's kind of a unique, I can't think of another. Was there, I just assumed that the remake I saw was a sequel of a new remake. Was there not a... I guess I can. Yeah, fuck it. I'm gonna. I well, I'd see. I could have it backwards. Then you might be right. 
I could have sworn no, that the fuck, odd couple it's... was a show. So it looks like this is, hmm. or maybe it was just a movie, and I, I'm fucking that part up. Yeah, it says it's a film from '68. Oh, okay. But I so if they turned it into a TV show at some point too, and then I think I might be confusing it for like Mash because <laughs> Mash is one where they made the movie first oh, way back in the day, and then they followed it up with a show. But there's a there's an audience review for the Odd Couple that has like four stars warning four stars there are a couple of unsuccessful suicide attempts shown mentioned early in the film they're played in a humorous manner but are still attempts so if you're sensitive to this subject matter (laughs) blah blah it's like it's a fucking comedy movie fuck off uh i guess before we get too far ahead of ourselves too um welcome back again to waxing the porpoise we we're here on episode 44 now i believe is it 44 um yeah that sounds right yeah all right we're gonna go with it uh 44 uh reviewing a 19 a a rare gem from 1992 called jennifer eight starring uh andy garcia uma thurman and lance hendrickson among others yeah we're just kind of free balling it this episode trying something a little bit different to get the juices flowing but yeah i don't think i ever watched the odd couple i like the sequel, the one you're familiar with. Yeah. I remember always just like, like that came after grumpy old men. And I think I was out of, I was like, yeah. Cause I, I, I liked, there's another one. What the fuck is it called? Uh, out to sea. Yeah. It's another Jack lemon, Walter Matthau, same kind of setup. There's like a political one too, right? I can't remember. Yeah. Which but one. that's not Walter Matthau is not in that. It's very good. I love it. It's called uh, My Fellow Americans. Okay, yeah. It's with James Garner and Jack Lemmon. And uh, yeah, they, one of my favorite lines that I haven't quoted in a long time, but I used to a lot, was um, James Garner was like the former president. So him and Jack Lemmon were both former presidents. They get entangled somehow they're in cahoots because there's some weird presidential conspiracy thing going on with like Dan Aykroyd, who's the incoming president. And anyway, it becomes like a buddy cop movie, like cross country, Jack Lemon and James Garner together. They hate each other, but uh, James Garner plays like the fucking love Lothario, kind of like the player, the ladies man type dude, like a JFK picture. Whereas Jack Lemon's more straight laced, but um, what does he do? What does he do? I think he takes a swag off of Jack Lemon's water bottle. And he's like, he's like, Jesus, don't do that. He's like, I'm not sharing with you. He's like, you could spit in a Petri dish and start a whole new civilization. <laughs> Dude, what a, it's such a funny coincidence that this came up. And I, I hadn't thought about it before. Cause I remember seeing that movie when I was a kid, probably 96 or 97. Actually it would have been 97 or 98 because of where I was living. And I only saw it once. The only thing I remember about that movie is them joking about replacing the lyrics to that Hail to the Chief song. Like they each had their own like spoof yeah, they had their, version. Yep. And the the day I saw that movie was the first and only time I ever visited Eureka, California, where this movie, Jennifer 8, takes place. How weird is that? Synchronicity, brother. Total mind blow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'll be waiting for those sausages. (laughs) Um, Cool. Yeah, that is a fun quinky dink that leads us right in, I guess. So you've got myself at the helm uh, tonight, Jim G-Baby. 
And I'm sure the word you were looking for was symbolism. What is the <laughs> symbolism there? Yeah, dude. I thought you'd like that. Oh, that that cracked me up. Sim- <laughs> what's the symbology there? <laughs> what were uh, you gonna do with the other two? Laugh them all to death? Funny man. Dude, that movie. Symbology. Yeah. Hallelujah, Jafar. <laughs> Damn, I, I keep saying I, I need to flash back to that big time. Um, and then uh, to my virtual right, of course, we have the usual suspect, Steve. Unrealized idea. Unrealized. It's a corporate kiss spot, dude. Yeah. I love that part. <laughs> yep. That dude, Sean Whalen, do you remember him from the Got Milk commercial with Aaron Burr? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Aaron Burr. <laughs> Dude, I I don't know why that commercial. There's a handful of commercials from that era that are scalded, like yeah. branded on the side of my fucking brain. And I'll just I think could, it's kind of like that echolalia, but I'll just I won't say it out loud. I'll think it once every three weeks. I could still sing you the entire Double Mint Gum twin <laughs> commercial that they had from that same time frame, 1998. Haven't seen it in probably 24 years, 25 yeah. years. Still remember every word. Was that the statement of a great mint? Oh, yeah. Yep. Of That's double mint gum? Okay. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to bait <laughs> me into doing it. <laughs> Dude, one thing that I want to do that I I've, I keep, I, I, like, I'll write it down and I never get to it, but uh, I remember one one time you offhandedly made a, uh, a comment nope, about don't, the Carpenters. Do not. Yep. God damn it. I knew you were going to bring this up. The Carpenters were playing and... Uh, it was a banger. I can't remember what song it was. And we were like talking about them specific. And you said all smug, like there's a Carpenter song. I don't know for what reason or why, but I just fucking love it. It's like, no, one of my, f- no, it, I, what you're, is it? you're, you're half remembering correctly. What you were probably seeing was trauma in my face because what oh. I was, what I was saying was I literally had a Carpenter song stuck in my head for that. You hated yeah, for like was just 10 stuck in your plus head. years that, you okay. know, like um, like if you know somebody who occasionally just whistles like the same tune, mm-hmm. it, it just, it was stuck in my head. And you, <laughs> you started like guessing other Carpenter songs. And I'm like, please don't do this. Don't. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I fucking hate this song. But it just was always stuck in my head. Yeah. Ugh. I, I want to try to del- I think of like a segment or like maybe just try a new <laughs> Carpenter song or try to slip it in, like not even address it and just play it in the background and then just focus for facial cues to see if it like, like if I go shark eyes, yeah, you get <laughs> yeah. shark eyes, black, like a doll's eyes. That's from, yeah. that's a good line from Jaws where he talks about the shark being like a soulless fucking like demon killer. He's like, he's got black eyes, dead, like black, like a doll's eyes. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen it. I'm almost positive I haven't. Dude, it's Spielberg. We should watch. It's a, it's an awesome summertime movie. That would be, I just flash back to it. Like I had only, that's when I had only seen like twice. I saw it when I was a kid and it did scare me like about going in the ocean and like thinking about a fucking shark coming to get you. But, uh, I just flashed back to it this past summer and it was super fun in the same vein of like an ET. Like, it's just like, it's just well, it's a good <laughs> film. Yeah. We need to change that too, man. ET is a fucking banger. I don't know if I told uh, you I did watch Nightcrawler the other day and I, I liked it quite a bit. 
Okay. Yeah, I think the last episode you said you were going to, you didn't get a chance to, but so you did yeah. and you, you yep. enjoyed it? I did quite a bit. Bill Paxton. Kind of odd, odd film. A, it is. Bill Paxton, always a pro. It it went a different direction than I was expecting. I thought, without getting into like a full review of the movie, what I thought was going to happen was he was going to become like a serial killer and just start covering right. his own shit. But right. then it was it was a little more demented. Yeah than that and i really just wish there's that there's kind of that usual suspects moment at the end where everything's kind of wrapping up and he's walking out of the police station where it's like oh fuck is he gonna get away with everything i was really hoping bill paxton would show up and just fucking dome him in the back of the head and and that would be how it ended (laughs) yeah but alas it's not yeah yeah that's weird i was kind of me and my wife both were kind of thinking one way and then when it kind of swerved and it was like this actually is like more like disturbed that he just like the level of exploitation and like how he looked like he got high from it he's got mm-hmm. some like bug eyes pretty much that whole yeah. fucking movie dude but i love the dialogue in it though like in the beginning where he's trying to convince the guy at the scrapyard to give him a job right like, he's all mousy and then he he comes in how he comes into his own yeah and then he starts manipulating that lady I'm glad yeah. they didn't go into that too much more where, where he's like, and when oh, you're, yeah, you're when in my fucking... apartment, you will do what I ask you without, I'm like, please don't show this weird <laughs> coercive <laughs> yeah. relationship that they have. That was, that was weird, but yeah. Yeah. Rene Russo has got to be like 40 years older than him or th- at least like 30. Yeah. Uh, right on. Oh, I, I just thought of another thing too. I saw the old Mentos commercials. I saw someone took a clip of, they edited very cleverly snippets from Bloodsport, I believe it was, with Jean-Claude Van Damme, mm-hmm. alongside with like a Mentos banner down the bottom and with the jingle and him doing shit. And like, I, it, they totally edited it and framed it like you could have put it on TV. Like, like even like turns back and gives a shit eating grin and like a thumbs up. And it's like Mentos fresh and full of life. Like, huh. Everything was perfect, like kind of like how they. Have you seen that um, the Mary Poppins and they make it look like a horror film? It's like Scary Mary or Scary Poppins. No, but I've seen the Mrs. Doubtfire one. Mrs. And Doubtfire it is one, so yeah, fucking good. <laughs> there, the amount of talent that some people have is yeah. just—it's incredible. Like you see that, and it's like, how would you even think of that? And then the way they cut it together is just—I don't know. It's a, it's astonishing is the only word yeah. I can des- think of to describe it. There's another really good one. Uh, it's what if Home Alone was a horror film? I'll have to share that one with you. If you, okay. it's pretty old, you may have seen it. It's like 12 years old, but they did that one. It's very similar to the quality level of the Doubtfire one. Like you okay. really buy the South Bend Shovel Slayer as oh, being you know what? a murderer. I have seen that. That's I have. Really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you were the one that. Send it to me. <laughs> the salt turns the bodies into mummies. Mummies. Dude, we want during the holidays, like uh, Veda's like six now, so she we're like home alone for like two weeks straight when the holidays come around. That's your and, daughter but, for those who don't have their uh decoder Score. ring handy yeah <laughs> and uh sh- the part that creeps her out is the beginning the fucking theme song for the home alone the yeah 
she hates that part of it. So she'll like run and hide and then come <laughs> back when it gets started, you know, like, so I'll like, I'll go around and follow her and I'll be like, like around a corner. I'll be like, dun, 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 dun. she'll be like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop saying that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's um, going to come up in therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You just chase me around the house. Yeah. <laughs> my my father's echolalia. <laughs> Such a fun word. Um all right. So yeah, we're uh we're gathered to discuss one of my uh this is probably a guilty pleasure. I know it's not like the greatest film of all time, but uh it's 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 definitely a guilty pleasure. It's one that I saw rather young, I guess, for this kind of uh material, but to me, this is like a perfect, it, A, it makes me want to smoke cigarettes really badly. I forgot how bad, like for the first 30 minutes of the film, but it's like a really good, uh, lazy, mm-hmm. rainy afternoon kind of whodunit where you don't have to like, you can just relax and, and enjoy it or like a lazy dog days of summer afternoon kind of flick, I think is the best, um, atmosphere for taking this one in. But, um, had, have you heard about this? I, I imagine not. This one's kind of, this one's pretty obscure. Nope. Not, not even a blip on my radar at all. How are you? I don't know if I've asked you point blank. Are you a Andy Garcia man or no? Are you indifferent? Yeah. Kind of just agnostic. Um, I can't think of a ton of stuff I've seen him in. I don't really dislike him at all. So yeah. Okay. I'm that's the other thing. I'm I'm a pretty big Andy Garcia fan as well, so that bodes well for you if you if you <clears throat> have never seen this and you go into it and you're like, oh shit, Andy Garcia. Yeah. I, I like Uma Thurman too. She thinks she's a great actress. Kill I do Bill, too, obviously. actually. She's and she's been in a lot of stuff. She's I think she's great in everything. Gattaca she was in. Um Yeah. Well, I mean Lance just being like a like a big I'm a big Tarantino fan, so yeah, Kill Bills, Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction. I think she's great in those. I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, what about the other main, uh, Lance Henriksen? Do you recognize him from anything other than Aliens? He played Bishop. I uh, haven't seen Aliens still. Um, oh, God, I keep no, I don't. That. I didn't re- recognize him from anything. Okay, yeah, his main ones are Bishop from Aliens, the sequel, James Cameron, and there's a kind of a cult. Uh, horror film from like the mid or late eighties called Pumpkinhead, where he played he plays Ed Harley, and it's he's kind of like an antihero. It's like a revenge horror where he takes on like a like a totem of like a pump this Pumpkinhead demon thing to exact revenge. It's it's pretty ham fisted, but uh, sounds like <laughs> it's it's gory. It it's fun like eighties schlock revenge horror. Uh, but that, that's one of his claims to fame too. But for the most part, he's kind of just like a side, like a character actor. He was in, uh, you know, him from, uh, near dark. He was the main dude, Jesse. Okay. Yeah. He sounds like he gargles his, when he's brushing his teeth with like gravel. Um, he's just got a real horse ass voice. I would have to push back a little on that because any movie Bill Paxton is in, Bill Paxton is the main guy. So, well, I mean. (laughs) <laughs> Jesse, this guy, he's he's there in their rabble, in their uh He's the senior their, Yeah. He's the elder dude. vampiric statesman. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't recognize him from that, but Yeah, I like him a lot. He he's good. He you should watch because you said you just watched uh 
Predator recently, the first one for the first time. Didn't no, you? No, no. I, conf- I could have sworn. Maybe I'm lumping it in because you said you just watched Running Man for the first time with Arnold. Yeah. I don't know. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Predator is way better than that. Um, but I was going to say, if you can make the leap from, in, if you enjoy the first Predator, uh, I think chances are you would like um, Aliens a lot too. Okay. Have you never seen the first Alien with Mm-mm. Ridley Scott and Scorny nope. Weaver? Damn. Those are two that are kind of different in that Alien, the first one, is very, it's much more like, it's like a survival horror in space and two James Cameron takes over and it's space. It's night and day. It's kind of the difference between the first Terminator and Terminator two. You know, there's a different sheen on things. I thought you were going to say the difference between first blood and Rambo. (laughs) No, no, not that on the nose, but excuse me. Um, I did recognize the guy who played Sergeant Taylor as the, um, (laughs) <laughs> one of the, I think it's the same guy. One of the bosses in Blue Streak, which is another yep. one of those movies that I've seen like a hundred thousand times. But I didn't want to leave it with Shamul over there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like leaving candy around me. <laughs> What's he say? I'll, I'll just chop it up. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I remember watching that in the theater when I was pretty young when it came out. I think it was like 15 in the beginning when he's getting all of his shit back. Like, they're like, one pocket watch this. One shoelace. Like, yeah. What y'all what do with do one, one shoelace? Floss your ass. <laughs> oh, man. Blue Streak. Highly underrated. I just it found out my so wife's good. never seen it, and I was like, God damn you. Dude, it's so good. Another good one, Martin Lawrence, that's kind of similar to that. Similar era with uh, Tim Robbins. Yep. Uh, yeah nothing to lose nothing to lose yeah dude i love when they're arguing about which one is more intimidating to the store clerk yeah and so they like go in and ask him and they're like i can't remember exactly what the dialogue but he's like i think tim robbins is asking him like was he scary what was scary about that and the old man's just like oh the freeze motherfucker part oh yeah. <laughs> dude i love that part so much <laughs> yeah that was like a weird one. I just kind of, I happened to catch and it sucked me in and that's a good it's a one. good one. It's got an excellent uh, scene of uh, that Scatman song being oh, used yeah. to perfection with the tarantula in a guy's pants and he's doing the yeah. fucking Scatman <laughs> trying to get it out. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. So I yeah. My, this f- I think my favorite performance in this movie by far and I, I saw his name in the credits, but then completely forgot about it. But then when Malkovich comes in, yes, I feel like that just okay, tipped yeah. it over from because I, I kind of am of the same mind as you are, where you you always used to call those movies popcorn movies, but I think of it <laughs> as like a pop tart movie. Like it's food technically, but it's yeah. not really nutritious at all. But it's fun and you like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but he pushed it over the edge from like this movie's okay and it's fine. To, I don't know, I just love John Malkovich. He's such a fucking badass. So, yeah, I guess to answer the question, if you liked the film, the, did this push it over into like more of a hard like with, with his edition or just a solid, yeah? Uh, solid like. I'd say I, I okay. liked it. Yeah. Okay. It was good. Uh, I, I liked the, um, the setting because without knowing anything about the movie, when he's first driving in that opening scene, I was like, that looks a lot like the North coast of California yeah, territory. 
and then it reveals it's in Eureka, and then the location of the Institute. I think it said it was near Mount Shasta or somewhere mm-hmm. over there. And I mean, Which those are both two hours there doesn't jive really. I no, don't think, but not quite. They did, what but they uh, yeah, it's it's funny. The, the another slight coincidence that that part of Lake Shasta or that that part of far northern California, because I think a lot of people think of northern California. If you're in LA, it, it's like Bakersfield's northern California, or some people think it's like San Francisco. Right. which is like on the 50 yard line of the state. But really this area yeah, of California so is like more. the 95 yard, you know, it's on the opponent's five yard line. Right. Um, I was talking to a guy the other day who was a firefighter up in that area and they have so many uh, clandestine weed growing operations that when they were up that he worked for uh, the fire department. I don't know if I said that already. And there was a fire going on. So they were cutting lines with bulldozers up there. Mm-hmm. And he said that they had to send a cop out with every firefighter, basically, for two reasons. One, if they happen to come across somebody's grow operation, they might get killed. Mm-hmm. And so the cops were there to protect them. And also, he said that just by cutting these lines, they dug up a shit ton of bodies that had been buried out there. So then the cop would be there to like, all right, fuck, now we got to like collect it and because because it's not just small grow operations up there it's kind of i I, I don't i can't remember which he said like russian mob anyway i don't there's mexican cartels that's been well known for a long time too but yeah that's crazy they have even they have like russian ties coming in that far i think he said chinese mob too or maybe japanese but uh yeah so that was that was a fun little connection to the local area as well and initially my first thought was like, what kind of lame fucking serial killer just goes after blind people? It seems like just too easy, mm-hmm. you know? So as the story develops and you kind of discover why that was better in my mind, like, okay, it's like a, it's a personal thing. It's not just like, I'm picking yeah. off people who can't see the shit coming. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not, I'm just not just going for like the lowest hanging fruit. Or trying to be like unique and gimmicky. It's like it, it's because it had a personal uh, thing going on with him specifically. But I'm such I'm such an idiot that even up until the last minute of the movie, I kept thinking like Uma Thurman's not blind. She's not blind. You know, <laughs> for some reason, I just got that stuck in my head. Like, like what would be like see the what's, narrative reason? I for them see to what's like, going on here. Like she's not blind. She's a yeah. she's a gold bricker. This chick sees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been more sure of anything in my life, dude. It's kind of like at you know, like at the end of the fact. Have you ever seen the faculty? I don't think so. Oh fuck. Well, I don't want to spoil the film, so I can't use that example. I feel like that was one that because that was probably right when you were like a freshman. I might have seen that. Maybe in eighth grade. That was like a fun horror like take on. Uh, like invasion of the body snatchers. Is that Josh it's, a, it's a pretty fun flick. What's that? Is that Josh Hartnett in that or Josh Hartnett, Clea Duvall, uh, Elijah Wood, um, Robert Patrick, the dude who plays the T one thousand in Terminator Two, is like one of the bad guys. Uh, is that the dude, one that Shooter McGavin the, um... plays Elijah Wood's dad in oh, that film, that. and he has a fucking really funny, awesome scene. Uh, is that the else? one I remember? It was either in the soundtrack or the commercial for it. It had that really annoying Harvey Danger song. Is that is that who it was the? 
No, I flagpole sit up. Yes. I think that was tied to disturbing behavior with okay. James Marsden and Katie Holmes, Nick Stahl, which is, that is a fucking fun movie. This is the scrambled brain reminiscent <laughs> of my weird, like insomnia, paranoia, uh, paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> Got to follow the breadcrumbs to figure out what the yep. fuck I'm actually thinking about. <laughs> Um, so I know I usually like to save it for the end, the uh, my favorite cunty review of the movie, but I figured I would just throw it out now Yeah, because it made me laugh. And uh, I'm wondering if you can decipher from this guy's very short review what his actual beef with the movie is. So this is a gentleman named Fred Topel, a critically acclaimed author from About.com. This review is from <laughs> 2003. Now, see if you can decode where his ire comes from. It's three sentences. <laughs> Below average mystery. Slow and uninvolving. Thurman nude scene is body double. <laughs> God. Like what a what a goober. Who would write that? Like <laughs> just so you know, this movie sucks and also it's not her that's naked, so Yeah. I'm out. Strike three. <laughs> that's the entire review? Yes. Oh my yeah. god. Thurman yeah. nude scene's a double. I read that in the trip in the IMDb trivia. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." But this guy really took it personal. Like, how the fuck would you know? You wouldn't know that unless you went and sought it out. And then so he read know. something somewhere, and that ruins it now. Yeah, I was on like, the fence before, but yeah, thinking about a three-second scene. Yeah, even even during um, that scene when it was over, I was like, she might still be blind, and just really <laughs> like really committing. To the lie. I don't know why. It's called The Long Con. The Long Con, con. yeah. <laughs> uh, I could never be blind. That Ah, oh, man. It's got to be so tough. Yeah. I've always thought about, like, you know, if you could trade senses, you know, like that game. Yeah. Like, which one, would, or you had to lose one, what, which one would you fucking lose? I'd probably go taste first gut reaction but if i think about it more it might be smell but that one's kind of a trick question because those I know two are smell linked and yeah yeah so you're kind of you're fuck, you're damned if you do damned if you don't but i think to me those are the the least impactful given like touch pretty fucking important yeah uh, sight and hearing yeah. like you've given up sight just on its own but you can't watch anything cool uh hearing you can't listen to fucking music kill me now um and yet touch so yeah to me like taste and smell hit the bricks yeah you could even make the argument that it would cause you to eat healthier and yeah Yeah. like (laughs) all it took was losing this vital key (laughs) sense (laughs) imagine trying to go in and convincing a doctor for an elective surgery like i want you to remove my whole sense Scent and taste functions, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting robot legs. <laughs> <laughs> Adios, turd nuggets. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just go and be like, I want to take my taste off. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, fuck that review. That's horseshit. This movie's great. The, um, I just imagine that guy is creepy as shit oh yeah that's the kind of guy that like makes human hair carpets or turns you into a lampshade there's also a funny old uh pete holmes he's a comedian 
he's got this bit about magic. He's like, it's the only form of entertainment where there's a type of person who's trying to ruin it for themselves, like trying to see what the trick is. And it's the guy who's just sitting there like, it's a mirror. It's a, you know, he's just using a mirror. <laughs> like, why are you doing this guy? What are you, why, why are you trying to ruin this for everybody? Right. Cause that's the, that's the thing. That's the juice for that person. It's a mirror. Is, is ruining it. Seeing the misery of others. Um, I guess real quickly uh, to run down this this movie. Uh, basically, it's Andy Garcia is our main guy. He he's like an exiled, it seems like, or uh, or maybe he just wanted to get away from the big city rat race in L.A. And he's it sets it up as he's former pals or just really good family friends with Lance Henriksen's character, who's like a sergeant or lead detective up in Eureka. So he's kind of now he's like big fish in a small pond situation. Kind of seems like he's maybe going back with his tail between his legs because he's like this kind of hot shot. Uh, but I don't, I don't think he overplays the hot shot aspect. But that he's just like you know big city detective coming coming into this uh, coastal kind of rural ish backwoods milieu. Yeah, I think they assign him the big big shot city boy thing more than he right. comes in there like swinging his his shit around. Right. And I got the feeling it was because of his marriage that he went up there like, fuck it. I'm just getting away from all this. Yeah. They kind of sprinkle that throughout. They don't, they aren't, they don't uh, lean on it, whether that's good or bad. One could argue, but I, I'm pretty indifferent to it, but there's a couple, there's one barb that really sets it, takes it home is at the end when Malkovich is like really trying to yeah. get under his skin <laughs> and he's like, and your wife who was fucking everybody everyone <laughs> yeah. knew about it like yeah. <laughs> it's like dude we got it man um so yeah that's really when you're like oh okay so that's the source of his like wanting to get the hell out of dodge and they make like a an argument too i think the the wife of lance henriksen is like she he looked or she looks just like her you know like mm-hmm. she, he he very quickly after meeting like uma thurman's character they kind of shack up or they become pretty simpatico pretty quickly. Um, so he's just trying to like rebound or like fill that gap. I think that's one thing I don't really buy is yes. their relationship. Their, their is, chemistry. It did not. I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it. Like that first time they like start making out. It's like this. I feel like this lacks the foundation. Like I'm, yeah. How did we yes. get here? <laughs> Yeah, there's there's no spark there. There's no inciting incident to where you can be like, oh yeah, these guys are taut and heavier. Like yeah, yeah. I can buy going through like maybe a tra- traumatic uh, set piece of of something, you know, and like they get close and I can maybe buy that a little bit more. But yeah, they they don't have very much uh, chemistry. So well, and some of their they're like smooching scenes later on. They come. Where it's like, are they about to fight? Are they going to break up? Is she crying? Like, oh, no, they're, they're kissing now. This is kind of strange. But, yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing. Like, I'm not really buying these two, but. Yeah, it, it felt kind of like uh, like a puppy love kind of situation. But it was weird because he he says, and he, he looks noticeably a little bit older. He says he's like 37, Andy Garcia. And I don't think they come out and say how old Uma Thurman. But I was taking her for somewhere she was like a former student and then now she teaches music at this uh school for the blind these blind girls so i took her being around maybe like 25 yeah i could see that uh like recently graduated college from college 
Yeah. So them having this kind of like puppy love feel kind of felt a little creepy because he's like at least 10 years older, maybe 15 than her. So um, yeah, that's the, probably the, one of my only gripes other than this movie d- is pretty slow in parts. Um, but that's why I think if you're in the right f- frame of mind, like a lazy fucking afternoon, like you just kind of you just want to turn your brain off. Or, or not, or just watch something and not have to like invest a lot of yourself in it. And you can just, you're just posted like a note. Um, Good rainy those day. Kind of scenes are rainy welcoming. day movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the proper setting for this one, I think. But um, maybe that's why part so, of me was thinking she was faking the blind thing. Cause it just didn't seem like a real genuine attraction between <laughs> the two. Like maybe I thought subconsciously she was honeypotting him to then <laughs> kill him or something. And <laughs> The guy, yeah, the guy who plays additional the, twist. Yeah, the uh, this this movie kind of reminds me of um, uh, Basic Instinct. I've never with, seen it. Uh, Michael she Douglas. She was no Sharon Stone. Yeah, Michael Douglas, Sharon Stone. Newman has a bit role in there. Wayne Knight. Mm. Um, yeah, it kind of it kind of has vibes of, of that. Although I will say, Basic Instinct is is quite a bit better. Yeah. than this. Uh, Okay. And it's it's like peak Sharon Stone and peak uh, Michael Douglas is fucking badass in it. He kind of plays. There's like a spate of films from like the early like late eighties through the mid to late nineties where he plays basically the same character as Black Rain, like a a, a kind of a grizzled like detective type dude that kind of he plays on both sides a little. He straddles the fence of corrupt and hero cop. Like the same, I think there's a movie where he's like a district attorney or he's an attorney. He kind of plays in both of those those worlds. And then one, he's a, he's another cop in Basic Instinct for the San Francisco PD. That one's cool because it's shot on location and there's a lot of um, like stuff that sticks out, you know, like Coit Tower and mm. like like downtown San Francisco. They go through like Chinatown. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a fun. I like it um, fall, falling down a lot. It's a good one. Classic. Yep. Yeah, that's where he like kind of derails and becomes the, the full-on psychopath <laughs> cop. This is just like, all right, fuck you very much. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines from that one. Um, So this one, I liked the amount of rain felt pretty, uh, like it felt real. Like they weren't using like rain machines and shit on, on some films, like in Blade Runner. Yeah. Where that was all artificial. This one, it's like, I feel like the environment, the... The geography of this one's pretty cool. Um, and so I guess getting to the, the meat and potatoes of this movie is it's a whodunit and it's related to a string of uh, blind girls who uh, I think they're up to like the, the, the special files called Jennifer and they're calling it Jennifer. The name of the movie would be if uh, Uma Thurman would have been killed in this killer's plot or whatever she would have been the eighth eighth one um that all fit this particular profile or mo of the serial killer and uh so we follow andy garcia's character kind of like dipping into stuff that this police department wanted to go away because they already it's a cold case now they had tried to figure out who this person was killing like uh dismembering uh blind girls and leaving them leaving him for dead and they spent, he said they spent like a half a million dollars, brought in a bunch of different cops and they just weren't, 
they were never able to solve it. So Andy Garcia comes in, there's a, a murder and they find a hand from I can't year years previous. And so that that's like the inciting moment. He notices like some scars on the fingertips. He somehow comes to understand that this was that this woman was blind, right? Isn't that he he finds like the the particular scars on her fingertips from reading Braille. Yeah, which I thought was quite thought a leap. Was, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that is that gonna cause scarring on someone as young as nineteen, I think she he said that victim was or eighteen. Well I mean I mean it's Braille. It's not like she's running her hands over razor blades. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, and, and I also thought it was kind of funny once he starts putting them all together and he gets that transmission that's like all of these different missing blind women in in a pretty you know just in California it's like man that really didn't that really didn't raise any alarms that we have all of these missing blind women well to their credit i think the the one started down in his precinct like one was in LA San Diego right and there's a scene where they're printing out like a fax yeah. showing all the different victims <clears throat> one was like uh, needles which is like isn't that like death valley Needles, California. I mean, it's but I guess it's somewhere between San Diego and Eureka. But they and then they start kind of disjoining. Like they're pretty far away. Because I mean, then you end up in finding what like uh, a piece of evidence, the hand in Eureka. So I mean, to me, it didn't seem super clear. Like you know, that with the distance involved. But I don't know. Maybe that's just a bad take. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be too overly critical. Yeah, I mean it's it's not important to to the story anyway, but uh, or to this discussion of the story anyway. But um, so yeah, he just becomes like fixated on this case, and then it turns into like that trope of like you know cop inserted. There's like something new that sparks interest, and like all the old dogs are like, yeah, forget about it, kid. You know, we we worked, we we knocked on every door. We, we there's no physical evidence. There's no body, and then he's he's starting to pick up these clues and goes through that movie trope of like, uh, you know, putting together all the pieces against all odds. And then, you know, like the, uh, the police chief tell him like, you gotta, you letting this one go, you know, like you're off the case. And then he's like, but I'm on the case, you know? Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie where, where the chief is like, you can't, you can't do this anymore. You know, you're done. It's over. And then just immediately like, okay, I'm still on it. You know, there yeah. isn't, there isn't even like a 10 minute period where he's like, all right, fine. Yeah. I'm going to try to let this go. It, he just immediately goes back to her. <laughs> yeah. Like right back into the, the waiting arms of like, of got it. All right. Hitting the road. <laughs> I'm in through there. Little Ox a fine town. Um, so yeah, around this time, uh, we come to find out Uma Thurman's character who plays a blind woman that teaches at this blind school. That's like two hours away in the Sierra Nevadas, ostensibly maybe Mount Shasta. It snows there. That's a, that's an important um, setting piece. And she had sheet music when she was playing the cello. I'm still not convinced she's actually blind. (laughs) (laughs) This is the fucking Stevie wonder thing we got going here. Dude. If anybody hasn't heard that conspiracy theory, he is not actually blind. Look it up. There's video. There's videos of him. I think the most famous one is where he's on stage, and there's and a mic. Someone. There's a mic next to him, or a mic stand, I guess, that starts to fall over, and he just reaches over and grabs it midair. And there's also yeah, like a really instinct, funny. Like, there's also a yeah, funny like, story that Shaq told 
on one of those NBA primetime shows where he walks into an elevator and it's just Stevie Wonder sitting there and he's like, what's up, Shaq? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Shaq's got a distinct That's true. Uh, funk or maybe he's got a, he always wears fucking polo. Or he, he could choice. feel the elevator drop six inches yeah. when he stepped in. Like, Sagged. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's super funny. Uh, excuse me. Uh, so Andy Garcia, Uma Thurman, uh, she, so she's the last person to hear, obviously, cause she can't see, uh, her roommate or one of the students that was, it's like a, a dorm kind of situation and they leave for the holidays and come back. Um, he, she heard her and some dude that she thought was like maybe her boyfriend or like a family friend or something like that. So she knows how the kill and what we come to find out later is this is the killer. She knows what he smells like. She comments that he smells like he's got cigarette smoke under his breath. Um, and that she also notes the of importance later that, he uh the way he breathed he seemed like he was out of breath he had breathlessness which is a key uh mm-hmm. factor in the the grilling of malkovich later on um so but basically i guess uh the key turning point in this is do you know how to i i forget how do they get like a tip that something's going on and both he and lance henriksen after a Christmas party are like spurred to like, like suit up and go. Cause they think the killer's going to be there. I can't remember. So that. I, I watched this two nights ago and I can't remember. So same here. So I think what happened was, um, detective or Sergeant Taylor in an effort to sabotage the investigation released that news story about the witness to the paper. Right. And so Uma Thurman's face and name and everything is front page paper news. Yeah. Yeah, so then Andy Garcia thinks, like, well, fuck, now this killer knows who she is, knows she's a witness, so he's going to come for her. So they were they were staking out her room, I think. There might have been some something in between those two. No, that, that makes sense now, because they he just learned about it, because they were all kind of drunk. It was after the Christmas party. Like, he's got sweat around his collar and shit, you know? And he sees the newspaper, and that's when he goes up and he, like, quote unquote assaults Sergeant Taylor. Um, yeah. Andy Garcia does. And I like the line where he's like, you better be aware of me. Cause I wish you ill. Yeah. That's such an Andy <laughs> Garcia line, like the way he delivers it. And, uh, but yeah, he's, he, I, he's not onto this guy at this point. He just doesn't like him because he thinks he's just trying to fuck up his investigation. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that makes sense. That's why. Cause then he learns that. And then immediately he goes back to his boy's house and like starts grabbing some of his guns and ammo. And, and then he's like, you're not going up there alone. So they both go. And then this turns into a really weird, the way it's shot and edited, um, that the two get crossed up. And so the killer is actually there also and kills, uh, Andy Garcia's partner, Lance Henriksen who is we come to find out later is also John, which that's kind of a red herring when you're watching it the first time and you hear him and that's being recorded. He's like, John, no, what are you doing? And he fucking kills him. So John yeah. Berlin is Andy Garcia. John Taylor is the killer. So oh, dude, I'm so dumb. I didn't even make that connection. 
You know what? I didn't the first couple of times either. It wasn't until subsequent. I was like, oh, I was like, that's why he recorded that. And that's why him. Say, that's why he's saying John. He wasn't actually Lance Hendrickson didn't actually think that that was Andy Garcia or he didn't you know see what? him. I he bet you they did some. I bet you they did some trickery with the audio because editing. when he's coming down the steps and he's like, Freddie, it's me. It, it sounds like Andy Garcia. Oh yeah. So maybe they are trying to sell to you. And then maybe Lance Henderson does think it, that it's John or maybe not. It throws maybe you, right. the audience member yeah. off because uh, you forget that Sergeant Taylor's name is John. Also, you don't put that. They go through great links. I think they only call him John Taylor once at the very beginning. And then from subsequently, he's always Taylor or Sergeant Taylor. Uh-huh. So it's easy for that to like slip out of your mind. But yeah, I think that's, that's the way. So he, Lance Hendrickson goes out thinking that his boy fucking killed him. Maybe don't know. Cause don't at the, doesn't when he falls off the fire escape and it's, there's light out there's more light and then he finishes him off he like shoots him in the head another time so maybe you saw him then maybe not anyway his partner gets killed and he gets like fucking whacked in the head unconscious the killer absconds so now it looks like uh our boy andy garcia killed his partner uh who's like he's like family friends with like he's pretty fucked up by it and so this killer uh went through the links of recording like the killing of Lance Henriksen. So, and that's like anonymously, I'm assume, assuming, uh, delivered to the cops. So they bring in this hotshot dude, which is, this is probably my favorite. One of my favorite parts of this film is when they bring in John Malkovich for like 15 minutes of this movie. And he's like the internal affairs or like the prosecuting, uh, ranking person that's fucking, uh, grilling, Andy Garcia over this and who's like dead to rights. He's like, I got my guy. I'm going to fucking grill him and I'm going to prosecute the, the shit out of him. Their exchange is fucking awesome in this. Uh, there's two yeah. or three different interrogation scenes and I re- I really liked him a lot. What was your impression of Malkovich when you first saw him? Like, Oh shit. Yeah. I, I had forgotten that I saw his name in the credits and yeah, of course my first thought is, once again, not to beat a dead horse, but all I kept thinking was do not talk to this guy without a lawyer because you're only going to fuck yourself. Right. And I mean, yeah, I mean, he's clearly really good at his job and mm-hmm. yeah, he was great in it. Yeah. It's a corporate kiss, but man. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> Finally making do on those twister bumps, Chris. <laughs> Hope you're happy. Um <clears throat> I thought I was I, one I bitching about the lack of twister bumps. Oh, you were? I'm sure I have at some point. Word. Yeah, I, I need to find that one where he goes on like that mini tirade the that you can't predict it. You can't yeah. explain it. That yeah. one. When that his wife is just find. sitting there getting <laughs> rained on. Yeah. Oh, you gotta honey, move got on. <laughs> has anyone seen an F5? <laughs> That's one like of us has. The finger of God. <laughs> looks super cheesy. He looks up to the second story where she is. Like one of us has. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I always forget about that beginning scene in Twister. Fucking really sets the tone. I remember the first time I saw it in theaters. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, it you it always know. drives me nuts because it's like your family is safe at the bottom of the steps. Why, yeah, why are, are you, you standing there trying the to hold thing? the door? Just go down. Yeah. Dumb. He deserved it. Ah, uh, so yeah, so we this we're treated to a real like a 
a, a knockout, uh, drag out interrogation scene, couple scenes involving, um, uh, John Malkovich and Andy Garcia. This is too, this is kind of an interesting decision. They kind of give away or they point you to, uh, like the twist, uh, like not right at the end. Like, cause you find out that, um, the killer also has like, what was it? Andy Garcia keeps commenting. Like I got up to the top of the stairs and like, I was out of breath and the cop, uh, Malkovich knows that like there was these pills found. I think they're called, uh, anim- aminophylanine. It's asthma meds for, breathlessness so he has that and he keeps kind of like fishing and he's dropping and he's like is that why is that when you complain to the breathlessness and yeah. he uses that word specifically a few different times and then later on i think it's the last interrogation scene he holds up the evidence of the pills that were discarded in like uh the ashtray yeah of Andy garcia's, andy garcia's car, car. And when he holds that up, then he knows he's like oh okay the killer has asthma and he takes this sp- specific medication for it so he's got a big clue pointing to who it is and then so somehow he's able to ask this uh prosecutor he's like all right i need more time i need time to think about this and then do you remember i can't remember what sets him off to go to this blind school in oakland yeah okay and um, the medication that's that's part i'm fuzzy on still. yeah so i also thought it was funny that they think this cop brutally murdered his partner for no reason and, and he's trying to get him to to plead a second degree murder instead of first degree and he's like i need time to think about it and, and they're like all right go ahead and he just leaves yeah drives away like, what so if you remember earlier on when andy garcia is going up to the institute he almost crashes into that blue van right, right. and then Uma Thurman and then he makes finds out comment, later on that it's well, a vw yeah, because Uma Thurman makes a comment about the sound of the the VW, like, yeah, that's the sound of it. And so he breaks into it, and that's he finds the empty capsule in the blue van. Gotcha. So, so okay. that's why it's in his ashtray. You would think, but he didn't. But he talks <laughs> to the woman who says that she works for an antique place in Oakland. So gotcha. he takes the capsule that's in his car, which they later find and attribute to him. So when he, like, imagine if you're uh, arrested or suspected of murder, and the police let you go, and he just rips ass out of the parking lot. Yeah, he peels like, the fuck out, and there's a <laughs> cop, like, there's a, a black and white posted to his house. I was thinking that, too. I was like, wouldn't you just be, like, cool, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going up to the yeah, street just to gonna get go, a pack uh, of cigs, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, but he's like, Yeah, I'm going to make it look like I'm going to fucking drive until I reach Mexico and not stop. Yeah. So, yeah, then he goes to... Oakland and there's always the fun the fun scene where he's looking at the like classifieds or the ads with the antique shops and he's like dramatically checking off each one yeah and then yeah so he finds the van and trails her home breaks into her house all sorts of illegal searches and seizures going on in this movie but uh um, yeah that wouldn't hold up in yeah the court of law at all. well and then he looks at that that school photo and it's a bunch of very very sad looking kids who aren't looking at the camera at all and then there's just the one kid giving the death glare who did look a lot like a younger version of Taylor. yeah i was like yeah i can buy that i could like, see that they, yeah for sure connect that 
But then, sure as shit, he like turns around and that dude. So our our that's the part that's because they reveal him to the audience. Like you see, like oh okay, it's this guy. It's Detective John Taylor, and he like fucking. Uh, so so he intercepts and he hauls off Andy Garcia and he his story is he he found him at his house and he brought him in like what did he say trying to escape or like packing a bag like he was gonna yeah something know, like cross that. state lines or something um so that's what so then they lock him up and then it makes you know it looks pretty bad for. Andy Garcia and he's like screaming. He's like, no, he's like, he took me in Oakland. He's like, I know he's like, I got, I, I figured it out. But at this point it's like, no one's going to fucking listen to you. So he's in that, that there's that kind of trope. And so, um, I did kind of think at that, at that moment, Malkovich looked a little receptive. You know, he wasn't just like, you're full of shit. That's he, fair. He almost had a look on his face. Like, well, tell me about it. Probably because in his job, the more the other person talks, the more they fucking bury themselves. So if you right. can keep the other person talking, it's good for you no matter what they say. Cause you can take out all the bad things they say and you don't have to mention all the good things. So, yeah, that's true. Another, I, I glossed over, but there, I think that scene when he's taught, when he's really trying to draw it out of, uh, Andy Garcia, John Malkovich is like, you know, he's like, you had a lousy, life with a lousy wife who was fucking everybody he's like getting into his face like real close and that's when andy garcia does this weird like he like grabs him like he's gonna fucking kiss him like passionately yeah. <laughs> grabs him behind the ears and like the neck like he just wants to like twist his fucking head off that part was pretty intense too i like that like, a lot. are you gonna lose your temper with me come on john do you lose your temper, lose your temper a temper. lot <laughs> yeah yeah, I to his credit, he does play it like very except for a couple points where he's really trying to like like get him, like to 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 instigate something. He he plays it pretty neutral, you know. Yeah. He's like pretty even keeled, but uh yeah, I would say like almost worth the price of admission is is sticking it out for that scene or those scenes with John Malkovich and what he adds to the film and the story overall. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, how does he get? Oh yeah, so Margie, the the wife of the his best friend that he supposedly killed post bail. So then that then it kind of it's like I think they were like, all right, we got to wrap this thing up pretty quick here. Uh, and so now that Sergeant Taylor finds out that, uh, or I don't know if he finds out that Garcia had posted bond, but either way, he's trying to you know cut all the loose ends and the last one being uh uma thurman so he goes back up to her well uh, before then he goes over to margie's house and is like being really fucking creepy when uma thurman comes down the stairs he just kind of like backs up oh yeah yeah because yeah. he so doesn't want to like get in her space or or trigger something that she would know about him yeah so then margie comes in and is like whoa what the fuck and then there's that there's a moment where Uma Thurman and him, he like helps her with her jacket or something mm-hmm. and he gets kind of close to her and you could almost see in hindsight, looking back, you can see like a recognition on her face. Like, Oh, this is either it could be the voice or it could be because she had mentioned earlier that he used like a breath mint or a breathalyzer or something, which they later said that was an inhaler. Right. So there, there's like a, a flash of recognition in, in her face. I think because she recognized him by sight because she's not blind, but 
<laughs> so then, then yeah, they leave, and that's when Taylor convinces the cop, or maybe this was before, because they had had a cop watching her house, Maggie's house, Margie, whatever, uh-huh. for protection. He goes and talks to him and is like, you're good. You don't need to be here anymore. And Yeah, that's right. But then, then what happens subsequently is Uma goes back to the Institute, or so we think. Right. So they, so think knowing that all, all parties knowing that he's the creep now, they know that he's going to try to uh, tie up all the loose ends, which is the last one is Uma Thurman. Um, and then, cause he thinks that he's going to get Andy Garcia dead to rights. Like he's, he's, uh, he's got that case wrapped up to where he's going to take the fall for Lance Henriksen. So he's got them tied up. And I don't think he thinks that Margie, uh, Lance's wife knows or is on, is on to this stuff, which is why I, I really, I didn't see that coming either too. Like when, cause you, I genuinely bought, you know, like the chase, the final chase scene that that's Uma Thurman and they were just using her as bait and that they were going to be posted around a corner, but Nope, it turns out it's Lance Henriksen's wife and she turns around and it catches this, this killer Taylor flat footed and she just fucking blasts his ass. Like, yeah. Later. Yep, it's me. You you've been had. So I, I liked the ending. I thought that was a cool it wasn't like a huge swerve, but I didn't see it coming at all. And I I, yeah. I think it had it wasn't a cheap effect. Like it felt kinda like revenge kind of satisfied that that uh desire. Well, yeah, because Margie Marge believed Andy Garcia that he didn't kill her husband, yeah, right? Like th- like so this was like, and they plant that seed early on. Like she's my like adopted big sister right. and like the whole kind of like, like I, I bought their relationship. Yeah, I did uh, too. As like a family friend. And like, you know, maybe it went deeper than that, you know? And he's like, he's has spent time with this family. So yeah, she was on it. Like, I, I feel like the whole time she's like, yeah, you're, I'm not going to doubt you for a second kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and she's the one who posted his bail. So he obviously, right. She obviously trusted him. So when she shows up as the decoy, it's not like this doesn't make any sense at all. This isn't what somebody would do. Like this makes perfect sense that she would switch right. places with somebody who seems like such an easy victim and then kind of lure him in. I will say um, that last that last shot where he's down, face down on the ground, and she shoots him in the back. Um, I would not recommend doing that to anybody. Why? Just for like, because it would it would fuck with your um well because of, like like he's, self-defense he's, of yeah that. somebody yeah. who's face down on the ground and you shoot him in the back kind of like we were talking about with that the houston yeah. taco shop yeah. uh that person's really no longer a threat to you and it's such a fine line between what's allowed and what's not just don't right. risk it you know not so that's allowed? not allowed what the fuck does that mean that's just my PSA. If you're going to shoot somebody, don't get yourself convicted of murder. Right. Although I will say, I think in this specific instance that her being like a cop's wife and them knowing like, this is the guy who did it. I think she probably could have squeezed off a couple other rounds and it would have been fine in this case. Like, I don't think they were going to, they would go after her. Yeah, probably not. But if this were real life and like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but anywho uh like kind of like you know like i i i just saw i wasn't even looking for it i was like scrolling through some shit like youtube shorts and it showed that 
Gary Lashier or whoever the fuck the dude Gary, who Gary Plouch. Gary Plouch. Uh, I saw that on the uh, like where he's in the phone bank and he just yeah. he ha- he plays it so hard like he's yeah. got the phone up to the ear yep. all the way to where he turns and he drops it gun out like he's like right there man um, yeah. Yeah, like how he he got off, and the judge was like, "I didn't see any like, like what there was to gain by putting this man in prison." So he got like five months of probation or whatever, kind of like one of those kind of passion things. Um, but yeah, that was hardcore. Just like how he's just like so calm and just choo, choo, done. Yeah, like he was all fucking business. <laughs> um, cool. So this is uh, we can put this another one in the wind corner. Uh, column for Steve-O here. I, watching it again, I watched this a couple times because admittedly I passed out three quarters of the way through uh, my first watch on like Wednesday night. Um, but I will say too, this is this is a nice one. It's kind of like a, a nice like a security blanket. Like if, if you're looking for something to just throw on and you can pass out to, this, it can put you under its spell. But that was one of the things I was like, fuck, this movie is pretty... It's pretty slow in parts. Like I, th- it's two hours and five minutes. This could easily be an hour and a half, hour yeah. forty minute movie for sure. So, uh, yeah, that was the thing. I was like, I'm thinking the length might might knock it down into the into the no column. But right on. Yeah, it's no. not gonna win any awards or blow your ball sack off. But if you're an Andy Garcia fan, you enjoyed Rain, a neat little whodunit. Yeah, I was unique- I was actually really surprised. Because I looked it up on IMDb and, you know, like every fucking movie on IMDb, it's a 7.2 to a 7.4 or whatever, like we've talked about before. But then I saw on Rotten Tomatoes, it was like 38. Yeah, it's pretty. And Metacritic, too, which is another like aggregator of of reviews and scores. It's pretty low. It's it's, I think it's like a 45 on there. It's not that bad. It is interesting. It's a 6.3 on IMDb and that oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. That, because that's a pretty good score for IMDb. I would say is six anywhere in the sixes. It's a pretty solid score because you usually see a course, like it corresponds across different sites. This one's kind of different in that it's got a relatively high score given that it's hmm. scored in like thirties and forties on other sites. Yeah. But then you look at two, like, uh, like if you type it into Google and you look at like Google audience score, just like Joe blows who rate it on Google, I think it's got like an 88% users liked huh. grade on Google. I could have my foot in my mouth. So let me double check that. But well, and it, it can always get yeah, 80, 88% liked this movie of Google users, 6.3 on IMDb, 38% rotten tomatoes, 48% on uh, Metacritic. So that's yeah, kind of strange. Yeah, that's very weird. I think weird. a lot of people, yeah. I wonder how many of those ratings were at the time versus now. Right. You know, because at the time they might have been expecting more versus now where, I don't know, it's fine. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it bombed at the because it was released in theaters. It almost wasn't, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it, it bombed in theaters. Um, let me double check. It looks like it took in $11 million at the theater. Yeah, the budget Damn, was that twenty. Damn, the budget That's was twenty million. Lot. Yeah, <laughs> budget was twenty million, and it gro- worldwide gross was eleven three. Wow. So this movie lost nine million dollars. Um, 
Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say this one's a cult or doesn't have a cult following, but you could group it in there with there's a certain type of early to mid 90s movie like this. One's called Pacific Heights with uh, where Michael Keaton plays a fucking creep like uh landlord kind of person or no, no he's not a landlord. He's like a uh, a squatter, but he's like a stalker also. And he terrorizes Melanie Griffith and uh, Matthew Modine, who own this apartment complex. Uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Rebecca De Mornay, we touched on when we uh, were on for Identity uh, with a cut above. Uh, what are some other ones? What do they suggest here? Internal Affairs with Richard Gere. Un- Unlawful Entry with Ray Liotta, Kurt Russell. That's a good one, too. Um, yeah, I think if you like this, too, you would like probably like Copycat. With Sigourney Weaver and Harry Connick Jr., that's a pretty fun one. Like this, um, and then if you're a, if you're a Andy Garcia fan, he did a film I think following this one called "Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead." That one of our former coworkers, yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, fucking just loved the shit out of, and I finally watched it, and I actually did enjoy it. It's got a pretty funky cast. Um, uh, Christopher Lloyd's in it, who plays like a leper, like safe cracker. Uh, Andy Garcia plays like a they, they they have like a former like burglary crew and then it's like later on they it's like the band getting back together for this one last heist against Christopher Walken who plays crazy Christopher Walken like drug cartel kind of kingpin type person and they're trying to pull off like one last score you know to like make things right um I might have seen this I don't it's a pretty I don't, I don't know it sounds Steve familiar Bishop, Steve Buscemi's in it. Um, Marshall Bell, the guy from Airheads, where he's like, one skid mark in 15 years of marriage. (laughs) Kicked me out on my ass. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a good one, too. So if you're an Andy Garcia fan, check that one out as well. Yeah, I think that's all I got. There there was a couple pieces of trivia. One, which we already addressed, the with the uh, the negative review, uh, the the nude scenes were a, in fact a body body double and not Uma Thurman. Um, they originally wanted to get Al Pacino for uh, Andy Garcia's role, which I felt like could have been almost interchangeable yeah. at that time. But um, she had a great yeah, ass. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down, Ralph. <laughs> Come in here, you ball my wife. You watch my you're not watching my fucking TV. <laughs> I love that he fucking takes the TV and the cord and like wraps it up. Oh fuck. Um all right, do you have any final thoughts or anything else we maybe glossed over, things you like, didn't like about Jennifer Eight? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well. Thoroughly. Did you and your old lady watch this one together or was this a solo mission? This was a, a solo. Uh, usually what I've been doing lately is, because I don't want to know anything about it going in, so I'll tell her what we're watching, and she can watch a preview in a separate room, so I don't hear about it. And then she'll come back and say, yeah, I'd, I'd like to watch it or no. She came back okay. and was like, no, this is a you alone type of movie. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think my, my wife also falls in the camp that's like, it's boring. It's slow. <laughs> whatever but then i'll watch yeah like a sh- shitty lifetime movie with you and i'll like actually like try to invest in it and like get something out of it 
I just watched one with her a couple years ago that was fucking hog wild with like, uh, God, who was it? The guy who played John boy from, uh, the Waltons. Can't remember his fucking name. He's like a mole on his face. He's a famous actor. Um, that dude. And I think it was Brooke Shields in like a weird lifetime style directed video movie, but it ends with like a fucking shootout, like act like, pretty dope action shootout in like an office building with like this dude strapped up with like shotgun shell, like bolos fucking huh. The grenade launcher. It it was pretty intense, but damn. (laughs) Yeah. Some of them go hard, man. I saw this one dude. I can't remember what it was called, but it's like, it's like a story of like a battered woman and her staying in like a really shitty relationship. And there's a scene where he's fucking beating her and he like, like beats her on the ground and full on jumps in the air and double foot stomps on her head. And they like show it. Like, I don't know how they filmed this. And I was like, dude, this is insane. (laughs) She ended up like fucking like broke her neck. She's all fucked up. She had to go through all of the shit to prove like, he, he would get away with like the, the domestic violence calls. Like he would just like, he was like a slippery fucking trout, but yeah, that scene stuck out. I was like, dude, this is really intense for like a lifetime movie about, you know, this woman trying to get away from this fucking psychopath. Um, yeah. And they show like, her yeah, getting gorilla stomped <laughs> straight shit. up. Yeah. I can't remember. It, I can't remember the name of the film, but. I remember, do you ever remember back in like the, the 90s, they used to have, it was like primetime TV. They would do like NBC or ABC. They'd have like a movie of the month and it was like a direct to ABC or it was like a direct to NBC movie. It was almost like a, and they all were like murder, like, um, you know, like stalker kind of movies. Anyway, I one time, I don't know why, if you ask me now, but like, I was like, it was a sleepover and everyone was asleep, like all my cousins. And it was just me and my grandpa. And it was like nine o'clock and they kicked this movie with Yasmin Bleeth from Baywatch. Mm -hmm. She was in it. So I was like, I'm in. (laughs) And then me and him just stayed up till like 1130 and watched this like pretty inappropriate for like a 10 year old boy to watch. But it was like this chick getting stalked like and this dude was like murdering people like up the ladder to get to her and like me and my grandpa both watched the whole thing and we were just like fixated like completely sucked in drawn in <laughs> it's just a, a an odd memory of of like a really good flick that i probably couldn't even find if i tried to now but the thing that drew me in was yasmin bleeth i was like yeah oh yeah i'm here for it <laughs> yeah as a weird aside, but do you have any, I, I do have a Den, Denzel devotional we can hit real quick. And then do you have any colloquialisms you want to bring up? Um, I don't think so. Let me just double check. No. All right. So yeah, this is really apropos of nothing, but it's a new Denzel devotional. We haven't plumbed those depths in quite a while. So let's, let's get after it here. And now it's time for our weekly Denzel devotional. Okay, so Denzel, spit it. Move movement with progress because you can run in place and not get anything done. 
So are you moving forward and who you're taking with you and how you made things better by the God-given talent that you all have in whatever area it may be to write it, to direct it, to produce it, to cut it, to shoot it. You have a gift. It's called a gift. You didn't earn it. You were born with a gift. Now you hone that gift. You develop that gift. You, you, you do everything you need to do to protect it. And then you share it. What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> He's just talking about life, man. He's just dropping science. <laughs> and that's why when our alien overlords come in and the apocalypse is set in, future anthropologists are going to uncover this digital messiah of Denzel. And be like, this was God, right? So talent, <laughs> so talent versus work. I feel like I've, I've heard him make conflicting arguments where, you know, some of it is just like intrinsic in you. And some of it is just like, you got to work for it and you got to get it. And just a little confused. I mean, I like I don't it. Know. I, I like that message. I like how he, expressive he is like with the facial features he's like get it protect it and he's like you know he gets very involved in whatever he's he's spitting oh yeah i watched this one too and i was like dude i forgot about this scene there's bible verse i think about sometimes many times it goes then i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send and who will go for us? <clears throat> and I said, here am I. Send me. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 6. that's such a good movie i forgot about that part yeah that's from uh fury which yeah i fucking love that movie yeah i think that's the only time i've liked shia labeouf yes as we've talked about before yes he is very fucking good yes he is so good in that movie yeah, say what you want. And I know I think in the past couple of years he's come come under fire with some like forcing himself on to women and a couple of women came out against him. I don't know where that's at right now, but yeah, he kind of he kind of fell into the background after that, but yeah, his I haven't liked I didn't I mean, what is there? Transform all the Transformer movies and shit like that and people grew up with him on Disney. I missed that boat, but yeah. Um, yeah, I hadn't really seen him in, in anything other than like super popcorn Hollywood fucking blockbuster type shit. So when I saw him in that, I was kind of skeptical. I was like, what? Yeah. Shia LaBeouf in this fucking rugged, like saving Private Ryan in a tank kind of yeah. movie. But yeah, he won me over almost immediately. Like, I was like, damn. You know how he's missing that tooth and his bottom layer of teeth in that movie? He's mm-hmm. missing a tooth like right here. He fucking pulled that out. Because he thought if this is what he wasn't told to do this, or they weren't gonna like 
you know, give him a black tooth and take it out and post. Like he was like, I just thought that this character, this would be a feature <laughs> of him. And he pulled a fucking tooth out, just a regular ass tooth. Dude, that's fucking commitment, man. But yeah, I did not know that. Okay. Um, any hoodles, uh, <laughs> There's one more thing that I thought I might try out is since we kind of have a, a a stable of different podcasts that all kind of support one another and, and kind of shout us out on socials and stuff. I thought we'd just do like a quick pod roundup and just let you know, like what we're listening to, what I'm listening to and uh, friends of the show uh, have going this week. So by the time this is released, these will have all been out for at least a couple days, but um, the straight chilling podcast just put out uh, a, their review on the infinity pool from 2023 that just released. Um, that looks really good. Uh, a cut above horror review. They just, did the menu from 2022 have you seen any previews for the menu or know anything about that no Ray finds nope it was really good i liked it a lot ghoulish uni they just wrapped up their uh tales from the crypt season two uh wrap-up show so they'll be moving on to starting to review season three which i'm excited about there's a couple really good episodes in season three that i'm curious to hear what they think as first a couple of them being first timers this one's extra fun too. friends of the show the bean dub podcast they just covered hackers from 95 are you you're a hackers guy aren't you yeah Oh yeah. Hackers. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea that they were coming out with that one and they dropped it. And I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I was like, hackers is my shit. <laughs> I haven't seen it forever, but dude, I didn't realize until later on, like when I started watching the, the, I watched the first couple of seasons of the wire and bunk is in hackers. He plays like that lead, like uh detective against the hacking crew. He's got an awesome line where he, he's like, he's like, I suggest you modify your attitude because you are floating and I'm about <laughs> to flush your ass. <laughs> yeah. Hackers is, oh man, that was like the formative years for me. Like that was such a fucking cool movie when it came out and now you watch it and it's like, they're like getting all jazzed about like 36, six K dial up yeah. modems and shit. <laughs> so like antiquated. Uh, Cinema Villains also just put out uh, an episode where they're covering kind of direction of where their show is going to go. And they uh, rattled off a list of their favorite uh, top villains of 2022. And then lastly, uh, Punks in the Cinema, a uh, friend of the show, Tyler Nightmare. He, they just kind of had a little mini hiatus, but they just came back strong with uh, their review of Clerks 3 that just released uh, a month or two ago. So, yeah, that's a roundup of... Uh, what I've been, I, I have a MyQ and uh, friends of the show. So check all those, all those people out. You can find them anywhere you find your podcast. So did we, I don't know if we did a hard agree, but I'm down because I don't have any other ideas. What was the case that you mentioned? This is like South Carolina. Yeah. It's the uh, Alec murder murder trial that's going on right now. Alec. Well, is it a dude? So there have been multiple pronunciations of his first and last name. It's either Alec or Alex and Murdoch or Murdoch through the entire oh, trial. Okay. It's been going back and forth. That's lame. Okay. But it's a very interesting story. So okay. I think, I think we might have to make next episode all about that. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I know we've 
we've gotten some positive uh, input. I guess people were super stoked on that first tangent you went off on last episode about Anna Walsh, the gal in Connecticut who was often uh, by ostensibly by her husband, the dude who was hawking fake Annie Warhols. Yeah. That was super interesting too. Like I, I didn't know you were coming to the table with that. So I was kind of like an, an active listener. Like, yeah, this shit's dope. But I just read, I I read an article today that her mom thinks she's still alive. So, Oh shit. (laughs) Damn. That's crazy. Like everything that you were able to talk about on it. And it's such like a fresh, like it's like happening in real time, like all these new developments and stuff. So, I wonder if that's one, if maybe we should just try and keep tabs on and come back to it once and like, like have a nice juicy episode on that. Cause yeah, that shit's super intriguing. I'm curious to see what comes out of that and the whole Tishman Spire connection, all that stuff. Like I'm I'm just worried. Nothing's going to come of it. Yeah. Which would get for memory hold. Yeah. Which would just feed the conspiracy trills even harder, but Mm -hmm. yeah, the, uh, the the Murdoch trial that's going on right now. It's pretty interesting. And we're recording this. So on. The trial is the, the crime has whatever the crime is. I don't know anything about it has already happened. And now they're in trial phase. That's going to determine who they think did it. So we are in the middle of a three week trial. That's there's a lot. So I think, okay. I think we should do that next week. That'd be a good one. Cause there, there's a shit ton to, to unpack. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'll start doing my my due diligence on that case. Um, oh, one last thing before we leave off. This is something I watched, I think, last year, maybe a year and a half ago. Are you familiar with the case? It's called, they did a documentary on HBO. It's called Murder on Middle Beach. Have you heard about that at all? No. You should check it out. If you have HBO Max especially, go back and check out, uh, I think it's a four-part, maybe six-part it's either four or six and they're like hour, hour and a half long episodes, really intriguing case. And it's done. It's the documentary of the case. It's still active and open. There's no, there's been no conclusion to it, but the uh, murder, there's a woman who was murdered and her son actually is like a college student and videographer. That's like what he's going to school with. This happened and he's dredging up. It happened when he was a lot younger and there's been nothing he's been like, as he's gotten older, he's followed the case and been super invested in it and trying to crack it now. And he put together a really fucking slick documentary, like for someone that young and it's really intriguing. I highly recommend it. Um, it is kind of frustrating cause there's no resolution to it. It's one of those kind of things, but, uh, you know, you can tell this kid's got like a full head of steam and like it's, I was like blown away with like the quality of the documentary and like how like deep and specific um, it kind of felt like a, like kind of like a murder at uh, murder on a Sunday morning kind of vibe uh, to it just in a different way. But what's it called? One, yeah. more, one more time. Murder on middle beach. I think it came out during the pandemic or, so either 2020 or 2021. Okay. Yeah. And he's planning, he's been actively for the last couple of years since ever since that came out, uh, like a part two. So, uh, I haven't followed it and, or like the, the case as well in the background, but yeah, that's one that I can, you know, I can count on one hand, like true crime or like unsolved kind of things that like 
that really, really stood out. And that's, that's for sure. One of them. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, without further ado, then I think that'll wrap it up for us this week. Uh, if you have any questions, we still haven't gotten any hate mail. Um, so we're not trying uh, hard enough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, there's multiple, uh, avenues you can, you can send that to us. One is, uh, email wax at waxing the porpoise.com, or you can reach out to either of our, uh, socials. Instagram is at waxing the porpoise and Twitter is at waxing the porp. Uh, any final thoughts? Nope. Send hate mail. Tune in next week for, uh, what I think will be an interesting episode or Alex Murdoch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, South Carolina. It's going on. It's current. Check it out. The low country is what they call it. Is that what they call South Carolina or does that encompass like Northern Georgia? No, just that portion of South Carolina is where they call it the low country. Ah, that makes me think of like the Loman from Dark Tower. Yeah. Well, we may have to tie that in next week. All right. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, check it out. Thanks for joining us. uh, And we'll see you when we see you. And we'll see you later. Symbology. (laughs) 